Welcome to Mea Online, a podcast of Hebrew College. Learn more and sign up for our intensive courses at www.hebrewcollege.edu slash Mea Online. Mea is spelled M-E-A-H. Today's podcast is part of our ongoing series exploring the Mea Online course, Journey Through the Bible, with renowned Bible scholar Professor Mark Brettler from Duke University. This episode and the last examine a pair of psalms, Psalm 23 last time, and now Psalm 6, in which the psalmist asks God for mercy, healing, and deliverance from suffering. I would now like to look together at a less well-known psalm, Psalm 6, and to read it closely with you. This psalm has an unusually long superscription for the leader with instrumental music on the Shminit, a psalm of David. Indeed, much of verse 1 is obscure. I'm not going to spend time figuring out what a Shminit is, although I would note that it is related to the Hebrew word Shmona, which means eight. This, might re- this may refer to an eight-stringed lyre or harp, but I would not bet on it. This psalm opens, as do many laments, many laments of the individual, with an invocation calling on God by name, O Lord. Then, as typifies most laments, it has a number of imperatives, some couched positively, some couched negatively. So let me run through what the person is actually requesting. First, negatively, do not punish me in anger. Do not chastise me in fury. Uh, Let me stop there for a moment. Please note, this person is talking about divine anger and fury. I do not think that this individual supplicant believes he or she has done something wrong. The supplicant rather believes that God is irrationally angry at them, and that is what the psalm is about. And again, the reason I say this is unlike other laments of the individual, such as Psalm 51, a confession of sin is totally lacking here. The lament part continues now with positive imperatives. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I languish. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones shake with terror. Now, I would like to point out that these petitions or laments have a number of sections. They typically start with an invocation. They have these various imperative petitions. And then they have motivations for why God should heed the petitions. In this case, God is actually asked to feel sorry for the individual. For I languish, for my bones shake with terror. In other words, you could learn a great deal from the book of Psalms about the theology of God. This psalm assumes that God will feel sorry for you. If you call to the divine attention that you're languishing, that you're shaking with terror, maybe God will hear and heed you. Thus, verse 4 continues that description. My whole being is stricken with terror. 
while you, Lord, oh, how long? These descriptions of oh, how long typify such laments. Please compare on your own time Psalm 13, which is structured around the words, oh, how long? Verse 5, again, another imperative preceded by another invocation. God is invoked a lot. And some of you may think that what I'm saying now should not be taken seriously, but I take it very seriously. I think the psalmist wants to be sure that God is paying attention to him or her. And when you do that, imagine you want a person to pay attention to you. You call their name time and time again. And thus the psalmist is going, Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, pay attention to me. Be sure to heed me. Thus, verse 5, O Lord, turn. The assumption is that God being depicted, I believe, and understood very anthropomorphically, human-like, has his back to the supplicant. God is looking elsewhere, and therefore the supplicant is saying, O Lord, turn, rescue me, deliver me, as befits your faithfulness. In other words, the psalmist is assuming that there is a relationship between God and himself and herself. And again, another reason, a motivation for God, we already saw one was, you know, feel sorry I'm languishing. Another verse five is you owe me your faithfulness. Now for most of you, verse six is going to be a big surprise theologically. For there is no praise of you among the dead. In Sheol, who can acclaim you? Again, note, this is good synonymous parallelism. Sheol is the place where all people go after they die. Let me just remind you that the Jewish Study Bible has a glossary, and you could look for terms like Sheol in the glossary in the back of the Jewish Study Bible. But here the supplicant is saying, hey God, if you ignore me, I'm going to die. And if I die, one less person is going to be praising you. Thus, God, you are going to be the loser. This is an amazing theology. It takes God as being vain in some sort and assumes that God likes to be praised. Verse 7 again returns to the terrible state in which the supplicant finds himself or herself. Weary with groaning, every night I drench my bed, I melt my couch in tears. Now, this is an incredible image, crying so much that the bed or couch is melted. Just to remind you, when I introduced biblical poetry, I talked about figuration being very common both in biblical and in contemporary poetry. This is a wonderful figure of speech. Try it on someone. I had such a bad night. I cried all night. I nearly melted my bed. Verse 8, my eyes are wasted by vexation, worn out because of all of my foes. Again, asking God to feel sorry. Your eyes are not only red, but wasted away. The couch is melted. Your eyes have melted. And then let me make one comment about verse 8. The end of verse 8 talks about all of my foes. Contrast that with the end of verse 3, with my bones shaking with terror. What is wrong with this person? 
Do they have enemies or foes? Or are they ill and are their bones shaking with terror? I'll come back to this point at the very end of this segment. Now the supplicant turns from God to the enemies. Away from me, all you evildoers, for the Lord heeds the sound of my weeping. Let me combine that with the following verse. The Lord heeds my plea, the Lord accepts my prayer. You should notice something strange in the second half of verse 9 and all of verse 10. This person who was previously in tremendous trouble now believes that God has heard him. The Lord, for the Lord heeds, the Lord heeds, the Lord accepts my prayer. I will return to that in a moment and see how that continues in verse 11. All my enemies will be frustrated and stricken with terror. They will turn back in an instant, frustrated. A happy, confident ending to the psalm. But what motivates this confidence? Why is this, why is there a tremendous turn or change in the middle of verse 9 between away from me, all you evildoers, and for the Lord heeds the sound of my weeping? I would like to share with you at least two possibilities. Sometimes prayer works, not necessarily on God, but on the individual who is praying. Perhaps this person praying has psyched himself or herself so much that he or she is convinced, I've done such a good job of praying, God is actually going to listen to me. Alternatively, maybe this type of prayer was offered at the temple, and there was a type of religious functionary. Some people call this individual a cultic prophet who would listen to the prayer and then would communicate with God. The prayer may have originally stopped at, in the middle of verse 9, away from me, all you evildoers. Then the cultic prophet turned to the supplicant and said, you know what? Today's your day. God has heard your prayer. And then the supplicant would have continued, for the Lord hears the sound of my weeping. Final observation to tie this beautiful psalm together. As I noted earlier, there's a bit of a contradiction within the psalm. The end of verse 3 suggests that the person's trouble is bones shaking with terror, while other verses, such as verse 9 and verse 11, refer to evildoers and enemies. What is this person's problem? What I would like to suggest is that as psalms developed over time, they became very multi-purpose. And thus, the same psalm could refer to illness, to evildoers, and to enemies. And thus, no matter what your problem was, whether your enemies were persecuting you, whether evildoers were harming you, or whether you were extremely ill, you would be able to recite this particular psalm or psalms like it, Psalm 6, because there would at least be certain verses in the psalm which you would be able to connect to. So thus, 
even if Psalms may have originated as one person's petition or one, one person's thanksgiving. They often use general terms so that they would able to be used and reused by further people in the way in which they are used and reused today within all sorts of religious communities. That's it for today. Learn more about Maya online, including how you can help a member of the armed services take our paid online courses at www.hebrewcollege.edu slash online. We'd love your feedback about today's show. Email us at online at hebrewcollege.edu. If you like the show, please leave us a review in iTunes or whichever podcasting service you use to subscribe. Our music is from Gala, a 10th anniversary celebration of the Rabbinical School of Hebrew College. Thanks for listening.